Hello, welcome to Take Note. This is Jennifer West. I am the Artistic Director of Muse West Concerts, and I am joined today by The Concert Truck, and I will let them introduce themselves. Thanks so much for having us, Jennifer. Um, my name is Nick Luby. And I'm Susan Zong, and we're The Concert Truck. Where is The Concert Truck um, currently parked or based? <laughs> <laughs> it's in our backyard. <laughs> in Baltimore, Maryland. Wonderful. And um, we are looking forward to your recital later in August. And there will be details about that on our website where people can join and donate to, to see the concert. And I've been aware of the concert truck for about a year and a half. And there are so many things that I like about it, um, including your logo. <laughs> <laughs> and including that the truck is black and white. Uh, there's just so many things that really appeal to me about it, and one of them is having an alternative venue. So I wanted to invite you to our podcast to hear more about um, to, how did this project start and to, to know more about it. So my first question is, how did you come up with the concept for the concert truck? Well, thank you, Jennifer. Um, the idea for the concert truck um, was a gradual process. I think we were both, um, you know, constantly trying to think of ways to share music with people more easily um, and to help classical music uh, thrive in the 21st century. Um, I happened to be traveling uh, in actually this Baltimore area um, by boat uh, with my grandfather of sorts um, and missed having a piano very much uh, and would wander into churches to practice um, and people would uh, come and, and sit and listen and collect uh, and it sort of got the wheels turning you know how great would it be to have a piano on a boat well maybe not so much with the water how about a, a truck uh, and I came to Susan told her about it and she immediately uh, saw the the master plan uh, <laughs> and the value in the concept and here we are. I think it's wonderful because as a presenter one of my first problems that I have to solve from a consulting point of view or solving for problems is where to hold the recital or to hold the event mm. in, in a cost-effective way um, and to hold it in an aesthetically pleasing or inviting or community building way and to literally have developed and designed your own venue takes care of so many problems. <laughs> um, it comes with its host of challenges, I'm sure, which I want to get into later. Um, so Susan, what did, what did you say to Nick when he was like, hey, I've got this idea. Let's put a piano in a truck. <laughs> The idea really resonated with me because at the time, like Nick said, I was, I was really trying to think of something innovative, something creative that um, I felt like was in line with who I was, right? Um, and I had this really burning desire to, to share music with people, um, but to do it in a way um, that maybe made them feel more comfortable or that they would enjoy it on their own turf. And, 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 uh, and so when he proposed this idea to me, I was like, oh, that's it. That's, that's the thing. That's what we have to do. 
I love it. I think it's I think it's fantastic. And um, I I grew up around large trucks because of the energy industry in Alberta, where I'm from, mm. and so. It actually has changed for me the aesthetic perception of transportation vehicles too, um, <laughs> and I think it's really cool. And I, I've seen some of your videos and how you have a lighting system and a sound system, and this is all fantastic. And I want to know more about the tech aspect after. And just to go back to your origin story, and this this might be poking a little too far. And if it is, <laughs> we're so sorry. But I'm so curious. How did you go about? raising the capital for this truck, and uh, how did you source out the perfect vehicle? So when we first conceived of this idea, we were both in school at the University of South Carolina, which happens to be very progressive and supportive of ideas like this. And we won um, a small award from the uh, Spark Laboratory at the School of Music. And uh, with that, we were able to build a prototype. Um, And so over many years (laughs) Um, with a lot of support from grants and donors and people who just believe in the mission, people who've donated time, donated labor. Um, We were able to come to this kind of customized version of the truck that we have today. Yeah. um, We also, uh, the Performing Arts Consortium um, was a really important uh, first sponsor for us. Um, they're a relatively small um, arts organization in uh, Hilton Head, South Carolina, um, but they yes. uh, they do a lot to um, promote classical music and the careers of young artists. Um, and so we were lucky to uh, to have allies in them. Um, and like Susan said, uh, you know this this is something we actually. Uh, you know, so much of the capital uh, that has gone into this has been human capital. Um, and uh, yeah, we've, we've been lucky to, um, to have the support that we've had. That's fantastic. And um, is that consortium that you mentioned, do they run the Hilton Head piano competition as well? No, they don't. Um, I believe there are some crossover people, though. It's, mm-hmm. it's uh, closely related. It's a pretty I small town. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say. I can't imagine. Um, I can't imagine that they don't have some discussions between them. <laughs> For right. sure. And um, my next question is: How long did it take from prototype to purchasing the truck to your very first concert? What was that like? Um, well, it, it took a while for us to get to where we are for sure with what we have right now. But um, even when we were prototyping and when we were constantly developing the the um, the venue itself, we were still performing. Um, and so um, during that time, we were also developing the content, right? The the things that we play and the way that we present and. Um, so it's all it's all been a long, gradual process. <laughs> I can imagine. And um, what were some of the challenges you you met? I mean, there must be so many. Um, what are some of the challenges that along the way really tested your patience and just sort of said to you, gosh, like if we can get over this mountain, we'll be okay. Oh gosh, wow. Each other. <laughs> <laughs> 
to work together, sure. Um, so Nick, Nick and I are, are a couple, so that, that's why he <laughs> mentioned that. Um, I, I think just playing in a scenario where you are so not in control of your environment is challenging. Um, we recently did a concert uh, here in Baltimore with, in partnership with the, our Joyful Noise Baltimore. And we, um, we had to wear masks and that was, it was so hot and it was very difficult to perform, um, to be frank. And uh, another challenge I think that we face is um, this idea of going to another space. Perhaps it's someone else's space, it's someone else's neighborhood and um, performing in that space, but doing it in a respectful way and getting to know our audience and um it's not always just as simple as plopping ourselves in a in a place and, and just playing um there's a lot of, of work that goes into establishing relationships with an area mm. classical music is used to hosting um you know people come to the venue uh they put on events but um we're very much guests uh to the places we and then, of course, play. there's like the technical things, um, like things breaking down when you don't expect them. And um, we've yeah. we've learned a lot of things the hard way. That <laughs> our engine died. Um, uh, what two days before we were supposed to leave for, for a tour? Um, for that a was tour of so, Minnesota. So, so that was a challenge. That was probably the biggest headache that we've <laughs> so far. I think I remember you mentioning that, Susan. Um, we were writing to each other and you were like, the truck is broken. It's in the hospital. <laughs> oh. we're, we're very fortunate that we don't anticipate that that will happen for a very long time. But I remember at the time it was quite devastating. <laughs> that is devastating. And um, it, it's these unplanned events that require the tenacity and the creativity of artists to really just push through. Uh, not unlike the time we're all experiencing now, mm -hmm. um, requiring tenacity and innovation beyond what I think any of us have imagined is possible. And um, you made a comment about how you don't just plop yourselves down in a parked spot and start playing. And that that's great to hear because I think that there should be some planning and getting to know your audience. Can you give... Can you give us more examples of how you get to know your audience as you're going to drive to them? I know you've been presented at some festivals so that there would be some introduction from the promoter there. Um, but how do you get to know your audience when you, you drive, you pull up, you change, and you get ready for your concert? What's that process like? Yeah, that's a really good question. It, it's difficult to answer that um, because it's so different for every place that we go. It depends on the situation. Um, an approach that we've been taking lately is this idea of getting to know someone in the community, like a community leader who would then bring us in. And then we can have conversations about programming. We can pitch them like a, a list of repertoire, and then we can talk a little bit about who we're playing for. And um, so having someone who is trusted by the community invite us in, I, I feel like is a more appropriate way of doing it. Yeah. Relationship building is key. Yeah. 
That's very true. Um, so speaking of relationships, who gets to drive the truck more? <laughs> <laughs> I guess that would be me. <laughs> for good um, reason. <laughs> for good reason. Oh, uh, although Susan is a is a very capable Susan's a very capable driver. Oh man. Um, no, we, we have some stories about that. <laughs> uh, she, she does very well on the highway. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, I'm sure that driving that truck in major urban areas is a challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, did you need to get a special driver's license for that size of vehicle? Nope. No, it's a regular license. Wonderful. <laughs> and has the concert truck ever been stuck in rush hour and late for a concert? Oh, gosh. That's a good question. You know, I don't think so. I don't think we ever have. We usually try to give a lot of cushion Mm -hmm. um, just in case so we get there, you know, early enough. We have been stuck in uh, other situations, but not traffic. (laughs) Oh, dear. (laughs) And what's the longest road trip the concert truck ever took on a tour? On a tour, the furthest we've been is uh, Minnesota and back. Right. Um, we, well, we did we did more stops. I think to Minnesota and back from Minnesota. Right. We did kind of this triangle where we went through Ohio and then we went to Minnesota. We went back down to South Tennessee. Carolina yep. through Tennessee and and then back to the DMV area. Um, we we were supposed to do a twenty state tour this summer, um, which would have taken us uh, across the whole country. Right. Um, and when we initially got our truck um it was in california uh, so we had to drive it back <laughs> wow that would have been a big journey too yes it took us two days <gasps> only two days from california <laughs> i to was Maryland. not present for this road trip <laughs> wow Nick and that- his best friend did it they, they switched off the driving wow that it is was fast. an adventure that's a wonderful adventure and um you must have seen so many parts of the United States through this and seen so many wonderful people. And what are the questions that people ask you before or after the concert? That's a good question. Um, A lot of people ask about our, our experience as musicians, our upbringing, um, where, you know, a lot of the same questions that that you're asking now um, get to know more about the truck. Uh, a lot of people, you know, ask for, uh, where, how can we contact you? Right. (laughs) Wonderful. And can you actually tell our audience, what is your website? So they can, um, they can go look up the concert truck. Sure. It's, uh, www.theconcerttruck.org. And you are on all social media channels. They can find you. Yes. At the concert truck on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. Wonderful. And so, I'm just picturing, you know, it's midsummer and the concert truck is going to pull into town. What kind of logistics go into planning a concert for the concert truck? I'm sure there's like the contact with organizations talking about programming. Um, but on the day of, what does it look like to set up the concert truck? Do you need a, a permit from the city? Are there noise bylaws to ha- to be considered? How does it go? So, yes, so it depends on the kind of performance right, right. Um, and there are obvious concerns about, you know, space and permitting. Um, uh, right. As you say, our, our actual setup time though is quite short. We've got it down to a science. We can really pull up 
if we need to and set up within five minutes. Um, but of course, uh, in terms of logistics, yes, there's uh, there are a lot of those operational things to be concerned with, but we also have to prepare um, artistically <laughs> for those concerts. And um, that's, it, it can, it can be a little bit different than pre preparing for a concert um, that would be in sort of more conventional hall. Yeah. You, you have to deal with um, a lot more distraction. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes the, the conditions, the weather um, can be pretty brutal right. um, if it's really hot. Uh, so that's all part of the, the all preparation. Part of the prep. Yeah. So then we warmly invite you to spend a very temperate and moderate summer in Vancouver where it's, <laughs> where it's never usually higher than a wonderful 27 degrees Celsius, usually around 20, and there's a cool ocean breeze, and you might even need a light sweater in the truck. <laughs> That sounds oh, thank wonderful. you, Jennifer. Yes, that sounds like an absolute dream. <laughs> Susan's actually been wanting to go to Vancouver for quite a while. Very long time. I miss well, the city very much. We're working on it, and I think <laughs> that there would be some pretty fantastic opportunities to travel around our beautiful province. Mm. And um, do you pick the repertoire a little differently, knowing that you'll be outside and knowing that, like, a bee might come try to sting you? Or <laughs> A child might start crying or if you're asking if we program repertoire that's easier, the answer is no. <laughs> I kind of am, but without wanting to say those words, because as a pianist, I'm thinking repertoire is very difficult. But we I do think that in these uh we do have to consider consider um the way that we program for these concerts. Uh, and again, it depends on the situation. It depends on the goals of the concert, the presenter, the audience, what we want them to experience or to feel. Um, so for example, something where we are just kind of playing out in the open, we would probably play something a bit more virtuosic and exciting um, and short. Whereas if it were a more intimate situation, we might play something um, that uh, a bit longer and a, a bit more intimate in mood. Yep. We also choose our repertoire to some extent based on uh, who we're playing for, where and where. Um, yeah. So those are all the considerations. I didn't mm -hmm. want to say the word easy because I thought to myself, if I were playing outside and I had to wear a mask and it was really hot and humid, <laughs> I would be picking something that I felt like just bulletproof. So right. this is one thing why I just, I'm thinking your project is so cool because you're presenting the same repertoire or more challenging, but in these environmental <laughs> conditions that shift. And that's, that's really cool. Um, I, I think that's been helpful um, regarding my mindset for that is that um, I know as artists, it's really hard to take yourself out of the equation, but a lot of times I'm thinking more about what I'm trying to accomplish for the group of people that I'm playing or for that specific scenario. And in a way, when you take the pressure off of yourself and you're not focusing so much on how you feel, it becomes easier to do these things um, because you're focusing on giving something to somebody else. Yeah, I'm sure that it's really... Um developed and strengthened your mindset for um how how to perform and i bet that when you've performed indoors 
it might even be a little bit of a treat because there probably won't be a mosquito or bee that is <laughs> at your toes or it's interesting um i mean of course having a more controlled environment um is in in some ways uh makes things easier but uh we actually um there there are things that are that are great about um giving concerts from the concert truck uh that that we don't get to do on mm. stage in a hall um and when we we go for periods when we're mostly performing um in in recitals and concert halls uh we're actually glad to to be back on the truck right it's very different it's, it yeah it's a muscle that you have to train it's, it seems like an experience where the, the audience that you're reaching, it might be some of the same folks that would go into the hall, but it's also certainly making it available to other people. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's fantastic. So recently, um, arts organizations and musicians and training centers or universities, conservatories, we've all been involved in conversations about um, social justice and representation of different composers and performers in classical music. And how is the concert truck engaging in this conversation? Yeah, yeah, this conversation isn't new to us. Um, A a large part of the motivation um, for, you know, for building this and uh, our determination for making it work comes from the fact that, uh, you know, this, this is a fight that has been going on for a long time mm-hmm. um, and that we felt strongly about, uh, you know, doing our part to um, right. get through it. And uh, so I think certainly one of our main end, uh, aims for, for the concert truck has been to diversify our audiences. And it, it's something that we um, had to learn to do and we had to challenge a lot of our preconceived notions and are continuing to learn to do better. Um, and are striving to to do better. Uh, I think some of the other things that we're doing, we're, uh, we're making a lot more effort to program composers of color and to even work with composers of color for commissions. Um, and also using our platform to amplify other classical musicians of color and invite them onto our stage. We, we have this little platform and, and we want to share it with other other people, other voices who are not... Um, In a way that's meaningful heard, and that makes right. a difference. So, you know, are challenging ourselves um, and, you know, learning from uh, from people who, who have been, you know, sharing their perspectives and, um, and writing. Uh, and, yeah, I, this is... Um, you know, a constant personal challenge. Uh, Sorry, that (laughs) took me so long to get out. No, that's totally fine. And I think that there will be a process for all of us, whether we're um, planning concerts or performing in them, where this is always something that has to be a consideration. And one sort of idea that has resonated with me is that in a way, this is going to be baby steps so that we do it properly and respectfully. Mm-hmm. Um, and that Rome wasn't built in a day. <laughs> and it mm-hmm. doesn't mean that there aren't steps we can't take right now. 
Um, but it means that perhaps being gentle with ourselves, that even the smallest step is probably better than what we did yesterday in mm. terms of representation in, in our industry. Are there Thanks. any... Are, are there any like resources that you are accessing to find the repertoire or are you commissioning? Where do you find your repertoire? That's a fantastic question. And um, I was actually uh, so happy to see a Facebook post um, by a friend of mine from graduate school. Um, uh, her name is Annie Jang. She teaches at the University of Greensboro now. Um, and she had created a Google sheet um, that was, you know, a list of, of works um, by uh, composers who uh, essentially were, were not uh, white males. Um, and I had been, you know, secretly or not so secretly uh, wishing for that resource. We've, you know, um, we, we, I, I had not had time to, and, or the knowledge base to create it from scratch myself. Um, and so I was really excited to see that. It's called A Seat at the Piano, um, or ASA Piano. Um, and it's uh, becoming, um, you know, a really fully-fledged pro project that's, you know, more than a database, way more than a database. Um, and I'm, I'm very excited to see how that evolves over time. And already it's been uh, incredibly helpful to me as a pianist in um, discovering new repertoire. Uh, so, yeah. I believe the Boulanger Initiative is also starting a database. The Boulanger Initiative um, promotes mostly female uh, composers, but I think that they have also started collecting a database of female composers of color. I could be wrong about that, but I can, I can get that information to you. Um, that would be wonderful. I think that that would be a fantastic resource to to share with our audience and the performers because, yeah, this is a really important conversation that has come out of Black Lives Matter. And I think that we have a challenge in classical music that so many of our traditions come from Western European art music mm -hmm. and a Christian tradition especially with earlier Renaissance and medieval music, but also does it really have to come from that? And mm. was it really only people that are white Europeans making music at that time, even mm -hmm. centuries ago? So I think challenging that assumption takes work, it takes effort, and I look forward to seeing how people use their time to research um, and to find out more about this because to say, well, that's who was writing music then. Well, I'd like to challenge that. Is that true? Those, it, was it really only Mozart, Beethoven, and Haydn, and uh, Stamitz and Kant that were writing music then? Or were there other Right, people? far from it, far from it. Far and, from it, um, yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of, that's what I, I think that's the main challenge to, mm -hmm. uh, to that assumption is um, who else was writing? Are there any favorite composers that you've programmed recently that you'd like to recommend to our audience for some listening? William Grant Still, Margaret Bonds um, are two composers that we have really fallen in love with uh, over the course of, you know, preparing for upcoming recitals. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I've, I've always loved Art Tatum, 
Um, yes. <laughs> although I, I don't know very many pianists who can play uh, his transcriptions. <laughs> um, they are they're wild, <laughs> pretty difficult, uh, and he has very big hands. <laughs> Art Tatum is absolutely fantastic. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's, that's such a wonderful recommendation. Um, he's, he's brilliant. And our, our final question is a bit of a fun one. Do you have any fun tales from a road trip with the concert truck? And have you found any favorite diners on your trip? Oh, boy. <laughs> diners or restaurants? <laughs> um, oh, gosh. The food... Oh, the food is, the food is so important to me. (laughs) Um, It's been kind of a joy to explore uh, the different cuisines of different parts of the country. Um, And, and I I can't, I'm I'm having trouble pinpointing like one favorite one. The one that I'm thinking of, one that I think we went to more, more recently is the pit beef place. Where was that? Was that? Was that here in Maryland or is it in Virginia? It was somewhere relatively close. Um, I also had cheese curds for the first time when I was in Minnesota, and that was delicious. As a Canadian, um, I say welcome to the rest of your life. <laughs> <laughs> cheese curds are standard up here. <laughs> so good. I think Nick... My, my favorite meal that yet. we've had uh, on tour was in... Uh, Minneapolis um, mm-hmm. at a restaurant called J Selby's, which is which is vegan, um, and I've I've tried to uh, I try to eat vegan as much as I can, and this was this just blew my mind. What is possible um, in, as far as a plant based uh, cuisine? Right, um, and we happened to be with with great friends, and <laughs> um, yeah, just the whole whole experience. That sounds wonderful. And um, we would have some fantastic vegan restaurants to recommend to the concert truck in Vancouver, um, Mm. including one of our sponsors, which is Aphrodite's Organic Cafe. And they serve the best pie and the best brunch ever. So it's perfect to fuel yourself up for an evening of concert truck performances. And um, it's been so wonderful chatting with Nick and Susan from the Concert Truck. And they're going to be live for us on Friday, August 28th at 6 p.m. Pacific. That's 9 p.m. Eastern. And everywhere else in the world, you'll have to do the math. (laughs) (laughs) Again, that's uh, Nick and Susan from the Concert Truck will be joining us live on YouTube um, via donation on Friday, August 28th, 2020. Today, um, we're so happy they've been able to chat with us. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having us, Jennifer. Thanks, Jennifer. You're most welcome, and thank you to our audience, and continue to take note.